Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Blockchain Super Conference is coming to Dallas, Texas, February 16, 17, and 18 in 2018. If you know of a better way to get the latest insider knowledge about crypto, to hear directly from the top minds in this field, to interact personally with 800 fellow crypto lovers, hodlers, investors, miners, traders, developers, and founders, then I'd like to hear about it. If you don't, then you don't want to miss out. Register today for the Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Blockchain Super Conference. Go to BitcoinSuperConference.com and register today as a super early bird to get the lowest rates on tickets and hotel rooms. That's BitcoinSuperConference.com. Welcome to Almost Here, Round the Corner of Future Technology podcast with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies poised to transform our lives for better or worse are the focus of this podcast. Almost Here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used. We're just around the corner from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with Future Tech Podcast. Um, my guest today is Dr. Julian Hosp, uh, founder of 10X. Dr. Julian, how are you doing? Richard, such a pleasure to be on. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you. All right. Well, tell me about 10X. What, what uh, does 10X do? Um, we are connecting cryptocurrencies so that people don't have to worry about if they are holding Bitcoin or Ether, but basically they can just interline all these cryptocurrencies and then we make them spendable um, through our 10X app. We do this by at the moment by having a debit card. People can load a lot of different cryptocurrencies onto our debit card and they can just spend it literally anywhere, anytime, online, offline. And obviously in the future, we want to add a lot of different forms of payment, also depending on different countries and yeah, different tech stages basically on the cryptocurrency world. All right, well, let's let's break this down. So you said that um, people can have different cryptocurrencies, but yet spend whatever cryptocurrency they want. Like, you know, let's say I have Ethereum. Um, how do you help me convert it to Bitcoin or other cryptos? How does it work? So we're working on a backend protocol that's called Comet, C-O-M-I-T, and that works with atomic swaps and uh, hash time lock contracts where basically people can use it like an exchange, the protocol, um, without having to trust anyone. So it's like a trustless exchange. And the cool thing is you could stack this on by basically being able to use other parties for exchange of your cryptocurrency into something else. So over time, I mean, we're really developing this at the moment. So over time, this would allow you to have access to literally any cryptocurrency. So at the moment, um, this is still very limited, um, but that's what we're working on. So, okay. So an atomic swap, uh, just for listeners, it allows me to exchange, let's say I have Bitcoin, I can uh, exchange it for um, you know, 10x with someone. Um, without having to go to an exchange to do so? So you wouldn't need an exchange. So basically so basically, how an atomic right. swap works is imagine you have two hands. You have a left and a right hand. And on the right hand, you have Ethereum. And on the left hand, you want to have Bitcoin. So the other person, which is their right hand, they have uh, Bitcoin. You give them Ethereum on the right hand and you receive Bitcoin from them. You can't get their Bitcoin unless you let go of your Ethereum. And if the other person takes the Bitcoin back, you automatically get your Ethereum back. So that works mm. in a cryptographically secure manner, which means you don't have to trust a centralized party. This is a smart contract, basically, or a, yeah, a contract that works in, in a decentralized, secure manner where you don't have to trust the other person. You don't have to trust some platform. It happens on a total decentralized level. Yeah, that's great. Um, how do I find people to do a swap with? So at the moment, basically, the only people you could do a swap with is 10x. 
um, we want to extend that where you can have other people and then basically we pool those people with Comet. That's basically, so basically that's the project that's definitely going to take all through 2018 to build up and really scale that platform. So when you say I could do it with 10x, what does that mean? Like, uh, where, where do I go to do it? So that's the first stage. So the first stage is um, basically you download our app. You can go into the App Store or you go into the Google Play Store and you download our app. Everything is done through our mobile platform. And then you can create your wallets for different cryptocurrencies, um, mainly Bitcoin, Ethereum, Dash. And we're adding more and more ERC-20 tokens and we're planning on adding some other cryptocurrencies. But then um, everything basically happens through there. You can also, depending on which country you're in, we have, uh, at the moment we're rolling out the countries on different stages. You can also order your debit card for these countries. So that all happens through with different stages. And yeah, um, because we have to service quite a large area and we have quite a lot of demand because we're the only company who's able to do that at the moment live. Okay. So um, I go on to what, the 10X platform, and then I can, uh, I can trade with people on that platform essentially? So that feature we don't have live in our app. We're testing all the the trading. So the actual, so the okay. atomic swap okay. trading, we're testing that. What we can do, what people can do is they can pay straight. They can use the cryptocurrencies to pay. Um, the connecting with the atomic swaps, that's still very very exploratory, um, simply because there's a lot of questions still, especially on the speed, on the liquidity. A, a lot of these questions still have to be answered. Okay, so if I get a uh, a card from you guys and then I'm able to um you know to load it up with with what various various cryptocurrencies or which ones can I load it yep. up with uh bitcoin ethereum dash and uh different ERC20 tokens all right so what if I load it up with uh dash but I go to a merchant that will only accept bitcoin will the card uh, automatically convert it into bitcoin or do I have to do something else to do that no so i mean if the merchant really only accepts bitcoin and doesn't accept traditional dollars then you would have to convert it yourself at the moment if you can, if you just, I mean, I think it's just really unlikely you find someone who only accepts Bitcoin and doesn't accept dollars. Um, if that person does accept dollars, then all you do is you just swipe your debit card, just like you would swipe any other card, and then you would pay. And we would use the best available rate. We don't charge you a fee on that transaction. Uh, we get the kickback from the card network. And uh, yeah, you can use your Dash Life. You can also go to the ATM and withdraw there. But would it be useful to have a wallet that, you know, can have multiple cryptos on it? and the wallet would automatically convert it to the type of crypto you want to use in a given situation. And I want to use Dash to buy some of that stuff. But, um, you know, then, uh, you know, an hour later, I go somewhere else and I want to use Bitcoin to buy something. Will they convert between the two or do I have to yeah, do something else uh, to go I mean, back That's and forth? the vision for to have live next year. You, you're totally hitting the nail on its head. I mean, that's exactly what, right. we, what we want to have live next year. Um, exactly that part, but not in how... A lot of companies do it through Shapeshift, where you basically have a centralized medium of exchange where um, yeah, you basically have to trust that exchange and then you have a lot of fees, but do it in a really direct and uh, straightforward manner. Okay. So you get about a year and then you're going to enable wallets that can do that kind of stuff, which is pretty cool. Yeah, no, no it's going to be live. I mean, we have been testing extensively. I think it's going to be live Q1 2018 for everyone. Oh, wow. That's great. Okay. All right. What... Um, any other unique features of your card uh, where people can load it up that uh, they can do things they can't do with other cards? Um, I mean, we're the only card that has multiple cryptocurrencies on. Um, all the other cards that are live, to my knowledge, they have only one cryptocurrency and mostly it's Bitcoin. Um, also, mm -hmm. we don't charge any fees. So we don't have any, if you use the card, there's no fees. 
which is really important. Obviously, the crypto stays in crypto. There's also a lot of different cards who don't do that, so they don't have a properly integrated system. They kind of use shortcuts with white labeling other solutions. Um, yeah, th- I think that's the the key part. I mean, for us, the card right now is really more of a a form of payment at the moment. The long term vision is really to handle every transaction through Comet, where we could, yeah, where we can basically, like you kind of described it, where people can accept, let's say they have Dash and they can directly route the Dash through maybe even directly to Bitcoin, but maybe via Ethereum to Bitcoin, whatever basically is the cheapest, fastest, and most secure route possible. Oh, that's very cool. Okay. All right. So we talked about the card. What else is uh, is 10x doing right now? I mean, I know it's enough. Atomic swaps are going to be fantastic. Um, you know, let's talk a little bit more about, about that. So um, right now, let's say I want to swap, you know, crypto A for crypto B. Um, where do I go and what do I do? What's the process with you guys? At the moment, we don't do any any swapping um, through our app um, because we don't want to have a centralized uh, exchange. So at the moment, if you want to exchange cryptocurrencies, you have to use one of the centralized exchanges that exist right now. So at the moment, our app purely serves as a wallet where that integrates into a debit card where we add this functionality of being able to really connect all the cryptocurrencies will be added to in the next yeah, three to five months. Okay. So yeah, what's it going to like when it's fully operational? You know, I'll come to 10x, and uh, you know, how do you imagine it's going to work? I mean, I guess you're probably long. Yeah. So let's say in 20 years. In 20 years, you're going to go to a store. If you still have to go to a store, um, you're probably going to have contact lenses in, or you have a neural link in your brain, and you basically think about paying. And in that moment, <laughs> you don't have to think about uh, which currency do I have to choose, or what am I going to use? Because basically, every all your assets and everything that you own is tokenized. So real estate, your real estate, your gold, your stocks, your bonds, uh, your freaking flyer miles, any point that you collect, and all these things are tokenized. So they are on a blockchain. They exist as uh, value stored on a blockchain. And so the only question is, how can you have access to all these things and how can they communicate with each other? So what we do is we have Comet, which can integrate, and probably it's going to be able to integrate into all the blockchains. At the moment, it's like over 95%. That's just because some don't have certain hashing functionalities that would be needed. Hmm. But I think that's going to be upgraded because, in my opinion, it's needed anyways if you want to have atomic swaps. And so then you just pay. And you just pay without having to think about what currency you're using or uh, what asset you just touched. Um, The way in 20 years it's going to work is the system will know your spending behavior and it will be able to analyze how these assets and how these tokens are performing. So you just pay and it deducts maybe a little bit of your gold and it deducts a little bit of this stock because it hasn't been performing well and it's probably going to go down and then it maybe takes right. some of your i don't know american freaking flyer miles because it knows you just flew american but you never fly again because normally you fly united and and then basically right. it just pay and yeah and, and basically we at 10x want to be this inter interface basically build the rails between these blockchains the receiver the merchant in this case um yeah that's basically the 20-year kind of uh yeah work plan well how about one year what's um uh... You know what's going to happen in the next one year that the public's going to see. So in one year, debit cards are still very. Debit cards will have the biggest loads. We're probably going to have around a million users. Uh, these users will have access to, I would probably say, 30 to 40 different cryptocurrencies in their wallet. They can access them through atomic swaps. They can exchange them either directly with 10x. Um, for example, at the moment we have around $40 million worth of cryptocurrencies as liquidity. And we have that already to make sure that this liquidity actually works with the atomic swaps. 
for exactly that problem that you mentioned at the very beginning. And then obviously we want to be we want to add other people so that we can lower our need for liquidity, but we can have other people acting as liquidity providers. And these people could even charge a very 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 minor fee. So you, they could charge maybe 0.01%, where if they provide maybe liquidity to certain kind of assets, yeah, they can charge a small fee to that. So everyone can become like a, a little bit of an exchange in that regard. And that's definitely going to be live in, in a year. So you can use your cryptocurrency at any outlet that accepts fiat as long as they have a credit card terminal, which I think most, pay, most merchants that they have. And then if you want to pay in crypto, then um, that also works seamlessly. Hmm. Very interesting. Okay. What about the uh, the digitization of you know other assets? So I know I understand the payment rail aspect. What other aspects do you think will be digitized that people will need to use and you know want to have in their in their in their smartphone or in their pocket and be able to transact with? I mean, I think, or I'm 100% sure that literally any asset is going to get tokenized. Um, there's just there's the, the arguments for not being tokenized are just very very little compared to the arguments of being tokenized and being on an on a standard that can be in exchange like with others. The bigger question here, I think, is how fast are regulators and how fast are governments going to be in pushing for the acceptance of a blockchain representing a legal ownership of something? Um, I mean, you could tokenize real estate. You can tokenize stocks. You can, I could sell 10% of my company as tokens and it's an equity. But the problem is there's no legal way how to connect those two things. So what I mean with this is in Singapore, for example, we have a company register and it's called the ACRA. And if a token is not possible to be registered in there. So even if I sell you 10% of the companies of my company, you're not going to be in that ACRA file because the token is in the ACRA file. But that token is not accepted by the Singapore government as something official. So they're just going to say, well, I don't care about that token. Uh, that token doesn't own anything. So you owning that token have no right to an ownership. And we see the same problem in real estate all around the world, with stocks around the world, with gold around the world. It is a, the, the, the actual problem is that legal connection um, between owning the token and owning what the token represents. I know in the US, hmm. Delaware is really, really progressive on that. So they are really fast thinking. They're really moving forward in making sure that uh, maybe companies can be tokenized faster. And that would open the gateway to a lot of other things. Um, real estate, I mean, is, is prone for tokenization. I think it would be fantastic. It would be very easy to invest in. And then, I mean, there's literally no limit. You, you know, there's Burger King, for example. They started in Europe. They started something called the Whopper coin. So what do they do? They have, <laughs> instead of having these points, they have a coin that represents basically for every Whopper you eat, you get a coin. And the reason they're putting it on a blockchain or basically tokenize it is exactly because they understand something that most companies don't yet, that suddenly you have a standard how these coins can be swapped for other things. So as soon as liquidity becomes into a system, the price discovery goes up, it gets better. And that's what actually makes it way more attractive to be in that program or use that loyalty program. Um, to, to understand a currency, the dollar. Well, well let's talk about the, um, the Whopper. Let's talk about the Whopper, you know. So I get a token, wonderful. I get 50 tokens. So one thing it could be used for is loyalty. So I have uh, every 10 tokens, I get a free Whopper, for instance, right? What other? Correct. What else could it be used for in that example? And then I'd like to go on to other examples, if you don't mind. Yeah. So, of course, so Burger King can airdrop certain benefits to people who hold a certain amount of Whopper coins. Um, and they can do this in a very transparent manner so that 
you know that exactly what's happening. Um, you can also obviously, be, at the moment, you can't trade WAPA coins, but I mean, this would be a flick of a button that Burger King could say, okay, we're going to start trading these WAPA coins for, I don't know, other coins or other tokens or other miles or other points. And um, right. I think they're just very forward thinking in that sense that they kind of understand, okay, there's no point at the moment to have a WAPA coin on the blockchain, but in three, maybe five years, it, it's very relevant. And I think the companies who start with this today, they are the thought leaders in the years to come. Well, what do you imagine, you know, so time passes, I mean, what do you, you know, maybe give me some examples. Let's, let's talk about real estate, which is probably a lot easier to comprehend. So in the future, property I own um, could be represented by me holding tokens instead of, uh, you know, having title to something, for instance, or the token would be the title. I mean, what, Incorrect. So basically, so basically, let's say there's a certain a certain real estate, and it has a, a, a single. It's maybe it consists out of like see it like I don't know. Uh, it's a house token. Let's just call it house token A. And house token A could be split into one thousand different smaller subsets. But let's say house token A is the only token that's out there, and it represents one house A, and it's just that. And because, and so you sit there and you think, why would someone do this? Why would you need a token for, why would you need house token A as a, like as a blockchain asset? Well, because the transfer, the trading, uh, all these things that are connected to transferring ownership is super fast. It's super low cost. Mm. And it could be done in a trustless manner because I can have an escrow very easily done through smart contracts where suddenly I'm cutting out a lot of the middlemen that I have today. And then as soon as you think this concept a bit more complex, you can have search engines that are not only in a very local market, but if you are an investor, suddenly you could have a totally way deeper reach into totally different kind of markets. Your access to this market is completely frictionless because you don't need the bank transfers. You can, I could trade Bitcoin directly for this house token A. Um, and it's, it's, it's just really, really, really transparent. And it's really, really fast. And it can be highly, it can be really secure. And obviously, for larger assets, you would probably want to do some multi-signature features where you could say, okay, in order for me to sell that house, basically that token, I don't know, I need to sign with three different keys. And then, I don't know, someone else has to sign so that just in case I lose my private key or someone hacks something, my house is not gone because uh, that would be really dangerous. So you would, right. you would need to have a well, lot of extra security. Let's say I, I buy a house and I get a, a mortgage from a mortgage company. Um, maybe there's... You know, the title is represented by a wallet with tokens, but it's multi-sig and the, you know, the, uh, the lender has one key, I have one key, and, you know, someone else has another key. And when I pay off the mortgage, um, the lender uses their key and I now have, you know, full control of the wallet, for instance, meaning the, the title or the ownership of the house. That's one example, I guess, I thought of. Man, you're spot on. And I mean, the key is, right, uh, the, 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 the effect to this is, just think about all the costs and all the fees that are like that you have to pay. And I mean, in the US, it's not that bad. But if you look into Europe or here in Singapore, there's so many places around the world where the fees are around 10 to 12% of the actual price. So suddenly... Oh, it's the realtor, uh, title insurance and all that. They can easily go up to, you know, 8 to 12%. I mean, yeah, so it's tens of thousands yep. of dollars it could be, you know? Yep. And so think about what this means, right? And I think I don't see this happening in the next five years. But let's say in the next, I think, 15 years, we can start seeing this on a serious scale. Just like today, more and more real estate, for example, is sold online and not so much like by an actual person anymore, but you do a lot of the browsing and stuff online yourself. And so right. I think in the next 15 years, we're going to see this more and more and more. And 
just imagine what this does to certain industries, how this is going to revolutionize um, a lot of the lending, a lot of the uh, the mortgages and all, all this structuring. And, and that's just, I mean, it's going to, I mean, blockchain per se really affects a lot, a lot of kind of fields that I think many, many people are not considering today. And, and it's, by the way, it's one of the reasons why China really kind of boiled down on cryptocurrencies. It had very little to do with cryptocurrencies. It had a lot to do with what blockchain means to the entire country. Well, so you're, you're at a crossroads here. You know, China, we know about the recent crackdown. So I like your commentary on that and where you think China's going. And, and also because you're doing so many avant-garde things, then I want to ask you, you know, okay, this won't happen for five years. This won't happen for 10. What are the holdbacks? Which industry is in? What are the holdbacks in enacting some of the things that you want to have happen? So let's start with China, if you don't mind. Perhaps you have insight into what they're doing or not, or just I'd like to hear your speculation on why they're, they've cracked down and where they're going with it. What do you think is going to happen? So on China, I mean, obviously, it's really close to us. And for us, it's really relevant to understand. I spoke to a lot of people there, some very smart people, a lot of people that left China just in the past three weeks, and they moved somewhere else because they want to stay in cryptocurrency and they don't want to be affected by it. And I mean, basically, what for me became really clear was that for China, when cryptocurrency started, they thought this was this really nice experiment. And they thought it would never really work. Because for them, it was always you know what, people will always want a centralized party, otherwise they're not going to trust a currency. So for them, the trust always had to be in a central party, not into cryptography, not into a decentralized system. And so cryptocurrencies became more and more popular. And then suddenly, a second phenomenon came up, which was money raising. So suddenly all these ICOs, and, and, and a lot of these ICOs were totally scammy and a lot of fake. And that was also the reason why the government acted, but it was not the main kind of purpose because there's a lot of other scammy things that happen in China and none of these things were shut down or shut down. The reason why they mm. shut down now was because they saw, hey, cryptocurrencies have been working. This decentralized phenomenon of raising money is working. So what's next? Is next that people are not going to need a passport anymore because they have a blockchain for identification? Is the next they don't need my, I don't need, I'm not in control anymore of their communication because they're going to find a decentralized way to communicate. They don't need WeChat anymore. Is the next way that they're going to use more and more Ethereum. So all their programs are going to be run totally decentralized and they're not going to use our centrally controlled service anymore. Is the next one that they're going to have real estate completely decentralized. So if I try to take someone's house away, I can't because it's stored mm. on a blockchain and so on and so on and so on. So China really kind of drew the line and said, okay, this is what happened in the past eight years. Uh, this is what's happening at the speed. If I draw this down in the next 25 years, I'm not needed anymore. And I'm losing all control. So what China is definitely going to do is, they, first of all, they shut all the outside cryptocurrencies away. And they're mm -hmm. definitely going to come with their own centralized cryptocurrencies, their centralized ICOs that are just like, I don't know, Facebook was shut out. And then WeChat, who's totally governmentally controlled, came in. And the same happened with Google cut out and Baidu came in and they're doing this over and over again. Amazon is out, Alibaba is in. So basically, they are totally open to these ideas and they understand the technologies. They just want to be in control. Okay. So, and I guess if they come up with their own renminbi coin, then they can say, hey, we're hip to the, you know, to digital assets. We've got our own coin and we don't want any of these Hold other on. ones, right? Interesting. Um, and I guess they're going to want their own Ethereum, which may be NEO is my speculation. They're going to want to control it. And I guess they'll allow back the uh, the crypto tokens that they feel that they can control and regulate, right? In the way they want to do it. Completely correct, yeah. Hmm, very interesting. Do you think this is going to happen in the US? Or do you think they're going to take a different path? You know, what's your, uh, what's your, what's your thought? I mean, my thought on this is that 
I think in China, the philosophy has always been that the trust in the state or in the trust in the government is there. And China works because the government does what it does. And I think in most Western cultures, this has always been very different. Um, yes, people trust the government, but they still also understand that, you know, the power should be in the people, the people should be able to vote, there should be a real democracy. And so I think Western governments, they're probably going to take a bit of a different approach, where they more, they're probably going to find more of a balanced kind of idea where they say, okay, um, yeah, these decentralized systems will work, but every decentralized system comes at a huge cost. And that cost can be that there are certain fees attached to it. The cost can come that it's slow. The cost can come that it takes some, I don't know, additional kind of layers that something works. Actually, a centralized system is the most effective. It's the cheapest. It's the fastest, as long as you trust that centralized system. And so um, I think if a, one of the, what the Western government's going to have to do is they're going to have to compete with decentralization. And the crappier they're performing, the more people are going to shift to decentralization. And the better they are performing and the more trustworthy they are, the more people will stay in a centralized government. And, and, and I think that's absolutely great. And I'm personally, and I'm again, I'm probably one of the exceptions here, but I am not someone who's totally pro-decentralization. I'm someone who's pro-choices. I'm pro, I want to choose, I want to have freedom in which path I want to take. And so that's why I push decentralization so much because it's going to challenge centralization to yeah, compete at a better level and kind of give me better options. Because if they don't do it in a good way, I can always exchange. I can move away. And I think if you look at the internet, I think television is still there. Yes, people watch less, but television is still there. They just have to step up their game. They can't be as crappy anymore as 15 years ago because otherwise everyone goes to Netflix and everyone just goes to YouTube. And I think that's right. just a really, like, this competition is really important. News, right? T uh, newspapers. If you are not delivering good value, if you're not entertaining me, well, I'm just going to only read Twitter. And I'm only going to be on, on the newsfeed on Facebook. Because why should I read your newspaper? It's boring. So I think the challenge, it, it just, there's competition. And I think that's always important. Yeah, it makes sense. Just like Uber um, uh, frees up people from having to deal with horrible totally. taxis in the U.S., which, you know. But, yeah. All right. So tell me about, um, again, you're you're really on the forefront of a lot of areas, you know, uh, what do you see industry by industry of the holdbacks? Where would you like to see crypto and digitization of assets adopted first? And where's the holdback? You know, maybe let's talk about real estate first or whatever, whatever industry you think it's most important to have it come. I mean, okay. So let's talk blockchain as a big group, right? Because to me, it's like blockchain, which is like internet. And then you break it down into all these different sectors. You have e-commerce and then you have social media and so on. So blockchain is like this mother technology and then you break it down. And one of these breakdowns is cryptocurrencies. I think the major challenge right now cryptocurrencies faces is that there's no regulation. Um, that means since there's no regulation, all companies, including 10X, we take an approach where we take the most risk averse approach and the least user friendly approach. Because since there is so little regulation, we have to assume the worst. And so we have to protect our downside as much as possible thereby giving the users very little upside. That means certain limitations on the spending, uh, certain difficulties with signing up, certain AML, KYC requirements, which means that you have to go against money laundering, you have, to go, uh, you have to go against terror financing. So you have to be really, really, really strict. And this sometimes comes at the cost for the user. So i give you an example. We had a user who withdrew, uh, I think, three times in a row at an ATM in Romania, 5,000 euros, which is like 
I don't know, six, $7,000, three days in a row. And after the third day, our system said, we should better block this user because the chances for this person to do any illegal activity is like, I don't know, I think it's at 3.5%, which is like a ridiculous low amount, 3.5%, right? That means right. if you have something happening 33 times, it, it could be that someone is trying to do something illegal. But just because we need to be so overly cautious, we block that person and we, we block the card and we ask the person to withdraw the funds from the wallet. And so obviously that person complained and said he didn't do anything illegal. He's verified. He has this kind of income. And I totally understand. And I feel for that person. But that person needs to understand that we need to protect our downside. And the reason we have to is because we don't have any guidelines that we have to stick to. So we have to assume the worst. And I think this doesn't affect only us. That affects every company. That affects every bank. That affects every investment. That that affects everyone that wants to get into cryptocurrency. The lack of regulation right now is really kind of keeping the ecosystem from growing. You saw this in Japan. So when Japan legalized Bitcoin this year, there was this huge upspike. Initially, there was a drop because people were totally insecure. And then afterwards, there was this huge upspike because suddenly large funds started investing into Bitcoin. Every store started investing into Bitcoin. Every mom and pop started to understand that Bitcoin is the next big thing in Japan. And if this happens in larger scales in several other countries, I mean, this is, this is what's going to really pump cryptocurrencies to higher acceptance. And that's, at the end of the day, what's really needed. So I think cryptocurrencies, we really need regulation. Um, if we move over to, let's say, real estate, also stocks, and I mentioned that, we need, it's not necessarily regulation, but we need the legal acceptance by the government. So that's just like Delaware is pushing for, and then, for example, Brazil is really pushing for real estate adoption, and uh, for example, India is doing the same, so they're really pushing for accepting tokens as ownership of the real estate. So here it's really about the legal acceptance. And if we talk about, um, let's say, identification is one of the most interesting aspects of a blockchain. So instead of using a passport, you are registered on a blockchain and you can identify yourself not by a centralized government identifying you as their citizen, but let's say everyone in that government. So in the US, 200 million people plus um, confirming that you are Richard and you are a US citizen and you are entitled to travel to these and these countries. And so here the challenge is, and that's really the major challenge in identification, is the actual biological communication between your body and the blockchain. So how are you going to verify that you are Richard? It's not about verifying it on the blockchain, but it's me not being able to fake that I'm Richard. And I don't know, is this going to work through fingerprint, iris scan, facial recognition? And I think that's the major challenge there. So I think we have in the entire blockchain ecosystem, uh, we have different kind of challenges, but I think over the next yeah, 10 to 15 years, all these challenges are going to be solved in their own area. And that's what's going to bring blockchain as a whole, this massive, massive breakthrough. Just like when you look at social media, social media needed phones to really work. That's what the major breakthrough was. And then you had Amazon that needed efficient logistics. So even though internet was there, I don't know, 20 years ago, it really took other aspects that made the internet go through our entire life as it is today. That's true. I'd love to, um, you know, to to be in the world where I have that that really cool futuristic wallet, like I told you about, where I can change from fiat to crypto and crypto to crypto and spend it wherever I like and have all my other assets on it. And uh, I'd love crypto to be accepted everywhere. And I'm glad we're moving towards it. And I know there's going to be bumps in the road, but uh, I just wanted to hear your thoughts and your insights because, again, you're on the front there, the uh, the bloody front, the bleeding edge of it. So, 
That's what I wanted to know. <laughs> Sounds exciting. Yeah, I'll shoot you a message when we're live with all these features. You're gonna love it. <laughs> well, yeah, let's let's tell listeners um, how can they find out more about 10x and get involved. Um, how can they interact with you and your team? Best is, I mean, check out our website 10x tech. So that's 10x t e n x dot t e c h, and you have all the links on there. So we are on Facebook, we are on Twitter, and I mean, you find us everywhere. If you just look for 10x Wallet, for example, you find us everywhere. Um, but basically, we're on Reddit, we're on Twitter, we're on Facebook. We have our own Riot community communication channel. Um, we have, I mean, we're pretty much everywhere, and we have one of the largest communities out there. I mean, we have over 50,000 followers on Twitter. So it's been really, really a strong community and, uh, and uh, yeah, a, a large user base. Um, I think people really see our vision and they love our mission of bringing these these entire cryptocurrencies closer to the people and more usable. And uh, yeah, basically work towards a world where you have a choice of, okay, am I going to stay in the centralized world and maybe have some upsides when it comes to speed and and and, and cost? but it comes at a risk of trust or do I use a decentralized world that maybe doesn't have as perfect cost, but the costs are still really good and the speed might be good, but it's not as instant as a centralized system could be. I know many centralized systems are not, but it could be. Um, but then it, I have this huge upside of having to trust pretty much no one other than the system. And so I think that's what we really want to work towards. And uh, I'm really happy that we have so many people who are yeah, following us on this path. That's great. Well, Dr. Haas, I really appreciate it. I like your insights, and uh, I'm glad there's people like you that are that are pushing for all this. So thanks for coming on the podcast. I appreciate it. Thanks, man. And uh, such a pleasure. You're doing a great job, and you're doing a service to everyone here, Richard. Thank you. The Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Blockchain Super Conference is coming to Dallas, Texas, February 16, 17, and 18 in 2018. If you know of a better way to get the latest insider knowledge about crypto, to hear directly from the top minds in this field, to interact personally with 800 fellow crypto lovers, hodlers, investors, miners, traders, developers, and founders, then I'd like to hear about it. If you don't, then you don't want to miss out. Register today for the Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Blockchain Super Conference. Go to BitcoinSuperConference.com and register today as a super early bird to get the lowest rates on tickets and hotel rooms. That's BitcoinSuperConference.com. You have been listening to Almost Here, Around the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, post a review, to discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse, such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more.